0: Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from island church glory to god church glory to god well i think we're finally finally going to finish up on this on this wee series here on spiritual mediocrity hey amen we've been on it for for a couple months now where the lord is a. Uh, really speaking to us, not, like I say, not, a, not rebuking us as a, as a family, not rebuking us as a church, but, but giving us a warning. And this is, these are why these things are in the word of God, for, for it is a warning unto the church. It is, it is something that we need to take heed of what the Lord is trying to reveal to us so we don't step into the same snares, the same traps that have already been set out for, for churches that were here 2,000 years prior to us. Amen. I am tell you, our God's good. Amen. He is good. Now, listen before we before we step into that. I just wanna I just wanna uh, uh, I don't know if I wanna announce, but I wanna give us all a heads up. As most of us probably in here already know, but uh, but in the the Sunday coming up and the next Wednesday, you know, Kimberly, Tamara, you know, Pastor Jason and myself, we're we're gonna be heading off to. Bulgaria to minister into some of these uh, churches that we have a, that we use as a mission that we that we sow into over there but we're gonna go in and and sow into them spiritually so into them uh, ministering the word of God but but we're also believing that we're gonna receive something from them as well so we won't be here you know the, uh, Sunday and next Wednesday but we will be back on the on the Sunday that follows. Now you say, you know, why are you announcing these things? Well, well, number one, because I believe you're going to be in great hands while, while we're gone. Amen. I'm not. I'm not one of those ministers. I think hopefully we're doing a, a better job than a lot of churches are doing. To where, to where we're not scared to announce when someone's coming or when someone's going to be gone. Because you're not. I hope you're not coming here for me. I hope you're coming here for the presence of Jesus. Amen. Coming here to, to get into the presence of God and and you know and and in that you know we all have our own supply that we're adding to the table. I'm telling you, I know you'll be blessed. We're gonna have on Sunday, you know, we'll have Brother Barry ministering the word to us, and on Wednesday, uh, Pastor uh, Pastor Graham and I believe pa- uh, Pamela down at a Life Triumphant Church out of Omaha, they're gonna come up here and minister the word of God. So so I believe we'll definitely have a word in season and a move a move of the Spirit. So I, I encourage you come invite people. Amen. This is this is a this is a family. Let's let's do these things together. But secondly, and my main purpose for announcing that is, is church. I want you to pray for us. Amen. I, I, I have I have a desire. Listen, I I, I desire your prayers. <laughs> Amen. We we desire your prayers, and I know what it's like when when people leave. Amen. I mean, because we've left our a, a nation that we're from, we've left a church, and I know, I know what it's like when people leave. It's kind of like out of sight, out of mind, and people just kind of forget forget what's going on. But listen, church, I ask you, you pray for us, praise that, that there will be an effectual doors opened up to us to, to minister over there, new doors opened up, you know, that uh, that, uh, that word that we'll have the freedom and the boldness to preach the word, amen, with, with power that signs, wonders, and miracles will follow the very things that are coming out of our mouths because these things are important, church these things are important. You know, Kimberly and I, when we were we were driving back last Wednesday from Dundalk, from doing the service there, and we're, you know, it's a little over a two-hour drive, so we're sitting there just chatting about different things, and, and we started talking about this intellectual gospel, and how, you know, we've kind of moved from, you know, where we were in the past, and, you know, we're, how we see ministers, and different things going on in different churches, and I'm going to tell you, church, this, this intellectual gospel of self-promotion, and this intellectual gospel of propping up yourself instead of Jesus, I'm telling you, it is is absolutely detrimental to the church amen you say why is that because it steals the awe it steals the honor it steals the glory from jesus and tries to place it on man for the very things that come out of their mouth and listen church i don't want to steal anything from jesus I don't ever want that snare to, to even get set before that it's even a temptation to walk in it. I don't desire for that. I don't desire for Adrian. I don't desire for Barry or, or Shola or any, any other ministers that come in here or through here, even as we minister and preach into our own families. Listen, we can never step into that snare because it's not about us. It's always about the king. It's always about the king. So, so we ask you, listen, pray for us on these things. What, what is 1 Corinthians? What is 1 Corinthians 1, verses 1 and 2? He says He's talking, he says, now brethren, talking about to the church, he says, listen, listen, I didn't come to you with excellency of speech and wisdom. I didn't come to you because Paul was, was a very intellectual individual. And he says, I did not come to you with excellency of speech or wisdom. I, I, that's, not, that's not how I came to you guys. I came to you in the testimony of God. He goes, I determined not to know anything among you save. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Full stop. Amen. Listen to me, church, preachers, ambassadors of Christ, because you're all preachers. You're all his ambassadors. I mean, listen to me, church. If If we will not be, we have got to be intentional about propping Jesus up. About only propping Jesus up, only exalting Jesus, only promoting Jesus, and not ourselves, not our churches, not our doctrines and what we believe, but promoting him and promoting him only. Because this, this, when we get to this posture, when we get to see, this is where you'll see that dividing line come in. And you'll see the people that begin to use Jesus for their fame and fortune as opposed to the ones that are used by Jesus for his fame and fortune. Amen. And there is a dividing line in the kingdom, and we need to, we need to make sure which line that we're standing on. Because right, what does is, what is he go off to say in 1 Corinthians 4? Hmm, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 20. What does he say? He says, when I came to you, I, you know, he's talking to some of the false apostles, talking about some of the people that were opposing him. He says, Listen, when I come to you, he says, I don't come to you in word and on, with word only. I'm coming with you with power. Church, anything that is preached from a pulpit, anytime there are words being spoken, and it is not accompanied with power, it's just mere words. It's just words. Amen, but if we can have power, if supernatural, that Greek word is dunamis there, if we can have supernatural explosive power emitted from when we speak that will change lives, that will birth repentance, that will heal the sick, that will cast out devils, that will usher in the presence of God when words are spoken, this is where Romans 10, 17, faith gets ignited that faith that cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, because it's not, it's not Ryan or any other man ministering the word of God. It's when people begin to hear the words of Jesus accompanied with power, the Ramatos Christo, the, the spoken word of the anointed one coming forth. Amen. This is when people get changed. Amen, but we've got to yield into that. Not only do we, when we're hearing, got to be able to hear Jesus speaking to us, but listen, we minister we got to be able to hear G- allow Jesus to speak through us. Amen. This is our protection. Amen. So you say, why am I going to all this? Because, listen, church, this isn't just for this missionary trip. I mean, this is, this is for our church on a daily and a weekly basis. Listen, church, we need to be praying for one another. You know, we, if we're going to be leading this house, we, we need your prayers. <laughs> We need your prayers so so no darkness, no obscurities can come in and get us distracted either. We we need your prayers. Church, we're a family, we're doing this together. We're doing this together. We need to to take these things serious. Church, this isn't isn't our church. This isn't Kimberly and Mai's church. No, this is Jesus' church. I mean, we're part of a family together, but this is his church. This isn't ours. Hey, Amen. We're doing these things together. We need, to, we need to allow this. I'm telling you, there's something, something the modern church desperately needs. And it, doesn't, and it doesn't recognize it. But it desperately needs his word and his power. It desperately needs his presence accompanied with his word. Because these two, these two things combined together is the only thing. Only thing that will change the city. It was the only thing that will change your life, and the only thing that can change your life will change the people around you. Amen? But we've got to be intentional about seeking after those things. When those two things get woven together, listen, church, not only will it change us, it will make the ripple effect where it begins to change the people around you. Amen? So listen, here in Revelations chapter 3, you know, the, the Lord, in chapter in, in 2 and 3, the Lord begins to come to his church and he begins to correct them. He begins to praise them. Several different things are happening. Now, now keep, in, keep in mind, listen, church, this, this, this letter that, that uh, the Apostle John wrote, it was in and in, in around 95 AD. It was only 60 years, only 60 years after Jesus was resurrected and the church was birthed. 60 years, we're now 2,000 years later. Amen. But this was 60 years, and you see what you see the things that were going on, the same things that were happening today were going on, you know, in, in in the second and the third chapter. You say, why is that? Because anytime a mixture gets involved, a mixture gets added into the church, his presence, his anointing, his power, they begin to wane. They begin to subside. They begin to disappear. You say, what is mixture? What what am I talking about? What is mixture? Mixture in the church. What, What is that? It's Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus plus anything added into the church. And it's very dangerous. Jesus plus your pride added into the church. Jesus plus your carnal desires added into the church. Jesus plus the world's culture getting... Added into the church. It is dangerous. Why? Because it's not authentic. It's not genuine. It's a mixture. It's a mixture. Does anyone in here not like sparkling water? Not like it? Oh, wow, well, there's all, man, poor people. You know, there's a handful of you in here. Let me ask you a question. So if I, if I ask you, say, hey, brother, would you, would you like some water? You're like, yeah. I say, well, good. I've got, got a nice bottle of sparkling water. you know, No, no, no. I don't, I don't like sparkling water. Oh, okay. Well, I'll get some still water for you. Now, if I give you a, a cup of still water filled up halfway or even filled up three quarters of the way and I run out of it, I say, you know what? I'm going to top that off with some sparkling water and I'm going to give it to you. What is going to be your reaction when you take a drink of it, when you start seeing the, feeling those bubbles popping off and you taste that taste of carbonation coming into your mouth? You're probably going to spit it out. Because it's not what you expect, nor is it what you like. Why? Because you wanted water. You wanted water. You didn't want, you didn't want you know, an additive placed in it. No, you wanted what God created, beautiful, perfect, clean, you know, pure water. You say, well, well, aren't both of these water? You know, they're both clear. They both look like water. They're both called water. Aren't these things both water? Well, well, yeah, they're, they're, they are both water, but one has, a, one has been perverted. One has been tainted. One has something added into it which changes it to where it's not, it's not actually water anymore. You say, well, it has carbonation added unto it. Amen. See, the church, it's the same way. I mean, the church is the same way. It's designed to be the ecclesia. It is designed to be the people that are called out to change the spiritual climate of a city, of a nation, of a family. It's, 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 it's what the calling is. And just because something started off as the ecclesia, if some foreign material matter gets added into it, is it still the ecclesia? Huh? Is it still the ecclesia? If the church gets a little bit of the world culture added into it, is it still the ecclesia? It's been perverted. It's been tainted. Is, is it still what God's called it to do? I'm going to tell you something. The world's culture, or any other additive or anything that's designed to pervert the church in our lives, listen, church, is designed to do one thing and one thing only. You say, what is that? It is designed to fully displace Jesus out. Fully displace the culture of Jesus out of the church. Full stop. Fully displace Jesus out of your own life, if you allow it. Any of us know what the doctrine, or not the doctrine, I guess you could say, the theory of displacement is? The theory of displacement is simple. If I give you a cup of milk, and you want to get the milk out of it, but you can't, you, can't, you don't have the ability to turn the, the cup over, what do you do? You introduce something else into it to where it displaces what's in, what's in the cup. Say, well, what does that mean? It means you can put a cup underneath a tap and turn the tap on full throttle, and what's going to happen? You wait there a few seconds, maybe 30 seconds, maybe a minute, and all that milk, all the white will be out of that cup, and you'll begin to only see clear water being put in there. Amen? But see, it's not always having a tap that has to be on full throttle. See, with time, you can place a cup of milk underneath a tap and just let it drip. And that drip over time, over hours, over weeks, or maybe even a month, those drips will add up to something that will displace even something that looked greater at the time. It will displace it to where it disappears. And see, when the world wants to introduce something into our hearts or into our church, it wants to displace it for one reason. Why? So we end up, so we end up simply with dead churches with no power and no anointing. Amen? No mission. Just the people coming together to, to hang out. Amen? And this is why Jesus, he's coming to the church. He's, this is what he's correcting in them. He's saying, you've permitted something into my house and it's taken away your power. It's taken away your glory. In some cases, it's taken away the mission that I've given to you. You've lost your anointing. The amazing thing about Jesus is, you know, we think we can, you know, many of us, we kind of think we can hide things from Jesus. But Jesus sees everything. He sees everything that's going on in the church. He measures it. And how does Jesus Come to a church come to a person or come to a church we're dealing with churches here since we're in the book of revelations how does he come to a church and begin to shift those things how does our pastor how does our apostle and high priest what does he do how how does he come and get these things uh, separated changed you know directed back in in the right place that he wants for them how does he do it he confronts it he brings forth confrontation Amen. He brings forth confrontation into the church. He says, listen, listen, you're heading down a path. There's a fork in the road and I'm coming here to put a hand up in your face saying, listen, listen, you're at the fork of the road. Which, which direction are you going to go? Are you going to choose me and begin to correct yourself and go down the narrow path? Or are you going to choose the broad, the broad path that you've been running down? Which, which direction are you going to go? He comes forth with confrontation. He tells them, he says here in, in uh, Revelations chapter 3, he says unto them, he send to the angel. And unto the angel of the pastor or the apostle of the church of Laodicea, he goes, write these things as he's beginning to fr- confront them. And when he begins to confront them, he first, he first reminds them of who he is. He says, I am the amen. I am the final word in all things. That's the one who's speaking to you. I am the faithful and true witness. I am worthy of your trust, because I am the one that has given up my life as a sacrifice to purchase you for my father. I am, I am the martyr. I am the martus. He says, I am, he goes, I am the beginning Of creation of God, I am the beginning. I am the end. I am the alpha. I am the mega. I am everything in the middle. Without me, you can do nothing. He says, "This is who I am." He says, "Don't question. I know your works. I know. I know your works. I've come down among your church. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot." He goes, "Oh, I wish you were cold or hot, but you're neither cold nor hot. And because you're lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out of out of my mouth." He says, "I come to take a drink of my bride." I came down to, to to worship with you. I came down to receive your praise and your worship, Amen. I come to take a drink of you, and I was absolutely dismayed, dismayed at what I found. I placed a beautiful anointing upon you. I put an anointing on you to be refreshingly cold, like the waters coming down the Colosse. I put a healing, therapeutic anointing on you, Amen. Just like the the, the healing springs coming out of Hierapolis. But you've walked away from these things. You've become dry. You've become dry. How many know when you become dry, you become arthritic? And he says, listen, you've become dry. My anointing oil is not flowing on you anymore. You've become arthritic. Why? Because you've displaced my anointing oil with the balm of the world's desires and passions the world's desires and passion. I mean, you know, you can be in a church and it can be a church full to the rafters. And you can can be in that church, but if there is a mixture that begins to come into the church, you're no longer still water anymore. It doesn't matter if you've only had a few drops, it's become sparkling. It's become sparkling. Let me... Let me be delicate the way I, I say this here, because listen, you know, we're, when we're speaking about our brothers and sisters and churches and different things like that, listen, our heart is just like Jesus. It's for union. It's not it's not for separation. It's not for strife. It's not to talk bad about one another. That's not. No, it's, it's, it's not. It's not about those things. Amen. It's about bringing union because this is what this is what Jesus wants. Amen. But but if our vision in the church as the body, not just this one, as at any church. If our vision in the church is anything else but Jesus Christ and Him crucified, you have mixture. If the vision of the church is anything but Jesus Christ and Him crucified, mixture has entered into the church. Why? Because our, our, our mission, the job, what the Lord has given us to do is not to be the greatest influence of the city. I mean, it's not, it's not to have your five- or your ten-year plan. I mean, it's not having the largest church, having the most people, having the most money coming in, you know, being the most recognized in the area, having your pastor's face, you know, plastered all over Facebook or all over town. That's, that's not the mission of the church. It's not to be known as the greatest Pentecostal or charismatic or whatever church. That, that is not the vision of the church. Full stop. Full stop, that can't be the the vision. You say, what is the vision? The vision's simple. The vision of the church is simple. It's what? It's having Jesus come in and rest in a place and commune with us daily and weekly. It is for him to show up and be with us. Why? So we can be completely transformed into the image of him. Transformed to the image of his dear son. That's it. That's it. You know, people ask all the time, what, what, you know, what's the vision? You know, you know, all these other churches, we're seeing them on YouTube, man. They're doing, they're doing Vision Sunday. Are we going to do Vision Sunday when January comes over? No, we're not. We're not going to do Vision Sunday. I'm not going to sit here and, and say, this is the five-year plan. This is where the church is going to go. This is where all the money is going. I'm not, this, this, we're, not, we're not going to sit down and do it. That's not the method of operation of the house of God. Huh? You want to know what the vision is? Come sit in the church and and just don't sit there and wonder the things that are going on. Step into the river that's flowing. Just begin to to step into the river that's flowing in the past. And I'm telling you, you will catch the vision. You'll say, what is it? It's his presence and his word will change everything in your life. That's the vision, full stop. That's it. And if we'll be faithful, if we'll be intentional to that vision and not allow any mixture, not get off of anything. But be pointed towards his presence, pointed towards his word in everything that we get. Listen, church, you'll be so transformed. You'll be so transformed, your, your family members will begin to be intrigued about you. Some of them may even begin to hate you. And then your neighbors, your neighbors will get become covetous for you. they not want what you have and don't even know why. We'll be so completely transformed that our cities will be changed. This is, how, this is how churches are built. This is how the kingdom is built on the grassroots level. Amen. This is how, this is how Dundalk was built. Started off with like five people. How, 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 how does it get built? It gets built on his presence and his word full stop. And when people get so full of his glory, then you have a, then you have a woman that she ends up getting her sisters lit on fire. And, they, and they're now serving the church, doing, doing amazing things for God. You get family members, they, they, they get saved. They're your neighbors. I don't know what's wrong with them, but, but I think I want to talk to them. I want some of that. And family members, you know, neighbors, people you meet in the grocery stores, they start coming to get hooked up with what you're doing. Why? Because you're completely transformed. You have the absolute glory of God being able to seep out of every pore of your being. And I'm telling you, that church, that is hard for this world to resist. They can resist you. They can definitely resist me. But what they can't resist is the Jesus that gets emitted from you. His love, his phileo love getting emitted from every pore of your being. It's unresistible. It's irresistible. Maybe that's a better English word. Hmm? He says here in verse 17, he says, but because... He goes, but because you say, man, I'm rich, man, I've been increasing goods. I don't have a need of anything. He goes, but you know not that you're, that you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. He said, man, you think a whole lot of good stuff about yourself. He goes, man, let me tell you what the truth of who you really are. You say you need nothing because of the blessings of God that have come upon you. You've gone to the point you don't even think you need me. He says, You're wretched. You're full of calluses. You can't even recognize that Jesus is in the room or not. He goes, You're miserable. You need, my, you need my mercy, but you don't necessarily realize it. He says, You're poor. You're rich on the outside, but you're spiritually impoverished. He says, You're blind. You don't have spiritual eyes to see the things of the Spirit anymore. He goes, And you're naked. You traded in your garments of glory for the precious garments of this world. Hmm. He says, but I got the answer for you. I got the answer for your spiritual pride. I got, I got the answer for that. He says, I'll counsel you. He says, I'll counsel you. Buy for me gold that's tried in fire, that you may truly be rich. Buy white arraignment, that you may be clothed, and that the shame of your nakedness does not appear, and anoint thy eyes with eye of so that you can truly see he says i counsel you he goes i see the mixture that's going on in the church he says but if you truly want to be rich he goes come to me and i'll provide it for you but it's gonna to have to cost you you're gonna to have to come to me it's gonna cost you something you want real gold you know he's saying i he uh, come buy this pure gold for me he's not talking about actually physical gold he's saying listen come to me and i will refine you i'll make you as pure gold I will set you in the vat, and I'll refine you, and all the dross of the mixture that's been added to you, it's going to come to the top, and we'll be able to scoop it out and lay it down to fill the cross. Be refined. Hmm? He says, come purchase some white garments from me. Come purchase these things from me. He goes, I'll cover your nakedness with my glory. Hallelujah. You want to be covered like the glory of God like it was in the beginning? Where no one even recognized they were naked. Amen? <laughs> I because his glory so filled them. He's saying, come, come purchase these garments for me. This is the kind of garment that he has for us. He says, come to me. I got the cure for your eyes. I can't see anything by the Spirit anymore. Come get some eyesight for me. I will anoint you, and your spiritual eyes will be instantly opened right back again. You'll be able to see by the Spirit again. It's going to cost you, though. It may even be a little bit uncomfortable. Oh, church, but it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. Huh? It's going to be beautiful. Here in 19, he says, As many as I love, I rebuke, and I chasten so be zealous, therefore, and repent. As many as I love, remember, that's the Greek word phileo. As many as I, I have an intimate, close relationship with. Amen. Like that relationship with your best mate or with your, or with your wife or, you know, or your husband. This intimate relationship, I like how the lexicon says, it's like the one that I give my kiss of affection to. Those are the ones I rebuke. Those are the ones I train up. Those are the ones I get involved with in their mess. Now, how many of you know when when Jesus sees people in the pig pen, he doesn't just immediately just jump in to, to get you out. You know what he waits for? He waits for you to realize you need to get out. He waits on you. He waits on you to begin to speak to him. He waits on you to be able to reach your hand out to him. And then what does he do? He'll jump in it, not to stay there, to pull you out. To pull you out. Why? Because He loves you. You say, well, how does Jesus pull us out? How does He, how does he get us out of this mess? He confronts you. <laughs> he confronts you. Amen. Jesus, the Christ, the, the pastor, the apostle, the high priest of our faith, he, he confronts us. Amen. many people don't like confrontation, and I get it. Amen. I don't, you don't, people don't like hurting people's feelings. People don't like not being liked. I, I get those things. Amen. Now, some, some people don't mind, mind confrontation more than others. I mean, confrontation doesn't necessarily bother me that much. Why? I've been, I've been in business my whole life. I've been in ministry for, for a long time as well. Listen, confrontation happens. Amen, I but let me tell you something. If, you, if you're not one that is confrontational, if you want to be a true leader, a true spiritual leader, you're going to have to learn to be confrontational. I and mean, I'm not talking about just a leader, a pastor over a church, or an evangelist, or a traveling teacher. No, no. If you want to be the spiritual leader of your family over your children. You're going to have to learn to be confrontational when you see a mixture getting added into something. Why? Because if we love them, we're not going to allow them to run off the cliff. If we love them, we're going to confront them in their mess. Amen. Try to give them the opportunity to come speak so we can grab them by the hand and pull out. Why? Because listen, church, if we are here to pacify people, if we're here to pacify people and make everyone just feel good, listen, that does not promote, that does not promote growth in people's lives. It doesn't, provoke, it doesn't promote uh, growth in my children if I let them just do whatever the heck they want to do. That doesn't, that doesn't provoke you know, spiritual insight or spiritual growth in them. No, it, it promotes a, a posture of being stagnant. It's like they become the Dead Sea. Where everything begins to flow in it, flow in it, flow in it, but nothing can exit out of it. And what happens? Death reigns in that sea. Death is in that sea because nothing can get out of it. Confrontation is what breaks open the dam to where stuff can leave, to where it can exit, to where fresh water can come back in once again. Amen? Because I'm going to tell you something, church. If, you're, if, we're going to, if we're going to be spiritual leaders, if we're going to be spiritual moms and dads, if we're going to be, you know, people if we're leading in the church and leading at our own homes and at our jobs and different things, listen, if we're going to be the spiritual leaders that God has got, you're going to have to understand, listen, serving Jesus and serving his kingdom, serving his people, it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you. Amen? Because see, if you have the focus on you, this is when you're going to stop confronting. Why? Because just you confront someone, listen, you're going to get a reputation. Especially in this weak world we live in today. You're going to get a reputation. Oh, those people are mean. Those people don't love you. Amen? Why? Because they, they're confronting you. They don't agree with the things that we're doing. And listen, church, the fact of the matter is, if you love them, you'll try to stop them from running off the cliff. Lester Sumrall, yeah, you know, I. You know, he 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 makes he made a statement. I have it on the on my screensaver for the for the on the front of my my laptop here. And he says, "In the day, he says, the day you protect yourself from being hurt, the day you protect yourself from being hurt in ministries, says you disqualify yourself from speaking in the lives of others." The day you protect yourself, the day you start building up walls, start building up, you know, uh, uh, stop building bridges, but building up walls where people can't come in and penetrate. People can't harm you. People can't talk about you. People can't get mad at you. People can't do whatever they're going to do. But when you try to protect yourself from that, he says, you've lost. You've been disqualified. You can't speak into people's lives anymore. You can't do it. Until what? Until you break down that wall. (laughs) Until you break down the wall and become vulnerable once again. Powerful. You say, why do I keep it? Why do I keep it? I'm, I'm funny because i got to get reminded of myself quite often the way we get talked about at times. Amen. But it's not about us. It's about him and it's about his people. Who are we serving? Are we serving ourselves or are we serving Jesus and his people? Hmm? It says, those that I love, those are the ones I rebuke. Those are the ones I, I rebuke, I, I confront them. And it's not like I'm forcing them into a corner, pointing my finger at them, wagging at them. He says, no, 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 no. Remember, it's properly defined as, those are the ones I convict. Those are the ones that I bring forth a convincing, like, like, um, like Rick Renner says, amen. I, I'm the one that will, that, will, that will come to you and I'll cross-examine you, giving you enough information to show you how wrong you are or showing you where I'm right. I'll cross-examine you, I'll rebuke you, I'll chasten you, I'll train you up like a like a soldier gets trained in the military. I'll train you. Why? Because I love you. Because I want good, I want you to meet the full potential that God has for you in your life. He says, so be zealous. I love that. He says, I'm gonna rebuke you, I'm gonna chasten you and train you up, so be zealous. Why? Because he loves us enough to do it. Because he loves us enough to do it. He says, and when you get there, receive this type of posture, then repentance, proper repentance will come to your life. You'll begin to change the way your heart thinks. And it'll be filled up and matured and enlightened with the thinking of the word of God, of Jesus himself. You'll end up having the mind of Christ. and not the thoughts of this world, you know. Here's another thing we are talking about on our, on our way back up. You know, it's like 20 years ago, you know, we, we, were, we can sit there and, and look, and it's like, man, the way I think, the way I view things, the way I handle things, the, you know, how I, who I believe about, what I believe about God and what he's done. I mean, the, I mean, everything the way I think is completely changed in 20 years. It's very, very different than way it was 10 years ago. It's different even five years ago. I'm going to tell you something, church, as we allow this this posture of repentance to, to, to continue to come upon us where, where, where he is able to, you can see, just as uh, uh, the theory of di- displacement is that the world wants to displace the kingdom. Listen, church, Jesus, if we'll, if we'll stay in his presence, stay in his word, he'll displace the world out of us. Amen. And I'm telling you, last year, some of the things that I've done or I've, or I've thought or I've or get irritated about, it doesn't happen as much anymore. Hmm? It doesn't happen as much anymore. It still happens from time to time, but it doesn't happen as much. Why? Because I don't think the same. My heart's changed, amen? It's getting closer to Jesus. Not there yet, but but it's getting closer, amen? He says, so behold, as I stand at the door and I'm knocking... If any man will hear my voice, open the door. He goes, I'll come to him and I'll sup with him and him with me. And remember, this isn't the altar call because he's talking to the church. <laughs> he's saying, listen, I'm, I'm banging at the door, this, this huge door, this thura that has a bolt that locks the hidden treasure behind it. He goes, I'm knocking on that door with everything that I have, trying to catch someone's attention. Why? Because I'm not even permitted in my church again. I'm not permitted in my own church. He says, I'm knocking, I'm knocking. Does anyone, does anyone hear? I mean, it absolutely blows me away. I can't, I can't imagine not desiring to have Jesus in our church, you know. It blows me away. But it's not something that happens intentional. How do these things happen? We get so involved with our beautiful Christian lives. Amen. I'll ask you have, you, have you gotten so involved in just Christian life? Have we gotten so involved in our hobbies, so involved in our jobs, so involved in the money we're making, so involved in the future that we're trying to prepare for ourselves, so involved in just with our being blessed that we've unintentionally left Jesus out of the mix and we've made our own plans, our own decisions? He's saying, I'm knocking, dock, 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 dock. I'm knocking. I'm knocking, trying to get in. Say, how do I know if I'm there? How do I know if I've gotten to that position? Our hearts will reveal it. Mm -hmm. Remember where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. (laughs) Right? Where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. Where do you go? Because your heart will reveal it. Where do you go when you're in a time of need? When you are in a time of need... Where do you go? Do you go to Jesus? Do you go into an intimate time of prayer? Do you go into his word? Do you go to spiritual leaders? Do you go with your wife, your husband? What what, what do you go to? What do you go to when when you're in a time of need? Do we go to food? Do we go to alcohol? Amen. Do we go into work in more hours? Do we go to family? Do we go to friends? People that agree with us? Where, where, where do we go? Do we go to government for help. Where do we go when we actually need help? Amen. Now, that will show you what your trust is on, where your heart lies. What we trust in is very is very serious. You know. Yeah. There's a there's an author. His name is his name is Brendan Manning, and he is a, he was actually a, a Catholic priest and. You know, uh, but he's written some good books, and you know, not really a concern about his history. But he has some uh, some really powerful things to say. He's written a, a book that's really changed some things and awoken some things on the inside of me. But, but he he made this he made this one comment. He said, you know, I was a uh, I was, uh, he was a teacher in, in a, theology, a theological seminary, and he said, you know, my greatest student I ever had that I taught. He goes, i was, was teach them, and I, after, after he graduated, everything was going well. He goes, I, I asked them after he graduated, I said, listen, he goes, define to me the Christian life in one sentence. Can you define the Christian life to me in one sentence? And the, 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 uh, the, the, uh, the uh, theologian now said this. He goes, I can do better than that. He goes, "I can do it in one word." And he was like, "Really?" He goes, "What's that one word?" He says, "Trust. Trust. Trust. And we've gotten into the place where you can't get in union without trust. If marriage is a, is a replication of our union,, listen, if there is no trust here, there, there is no union. There is no union. Amen. We have to have complete, full, unadulterated trust. Amen. To begin to step into the fullness of the union that he has for us into this Christian life. Amen. That he has for us. It all has to do with trust. This is Jesus saying, listen, where'd your trust go? (laughs) Because I'm knocking on the door, I'm not even invited anymore. I'm knocking knocking on the doors of your heart, but I'm I'm not invited anymore. He says, is anyone here? Remember that he starts shifting. He says, not just in your church, but is anyone here? I'm talking to you individually. Does anyone hear? Does anyone hear me knocking? Because if you will just open up the door, if you will repent, you'll get your heart right. If you'll come to me, if you'll just ask for help, if you'll come to me, if you'll trust me and just crack open the door, just open the door just a little bit. He says, I'll quickly come in and flood your environment. I'll flood your church. I'll flood your heart with my presence once again. And then I love that. He says, then we can sup with one another. Then we can eat with one another. Now, if you look at this word, you say this word out, this, this word, having a meal together, it's not like having a meal with, with business partners or business friends or, or, or colleagues. No, it's much more intentional. It's much more in depth than that. This is, this is an intimate dinner. I mean, and listen, if, you, if you'll do that, I'll come flood the place, and we will have an intimate candlelight dinner with one another my bride with me. He goes, we will, you'll sup with me, I'll sup with you, and you can eat, and you can eat with me. He goes, I'll be your bread to eat. I'll be your wine to drink. But you're going to have to open up the door. You're going to have to open the door so, so we can come in and sup with one another. I mean, how many of you know this is, this is the heart of Jesus? Yeah, he, yeah, he's a God of judgment. Yes, yes, he, God's a lot of things. But listen, I'm going to tell you something, church. He is not, he's not retributive. He's not looking to destroy you. He's not looking to destroy his church. Even, even when the church began to wane and walk away from him, he wasn't coming to destroy them. He wasn't coming to throw the, the, the lightning and the thunderbolt away from him. No, no, they walked from him and his anointing. He didn't walk away from them. He's pounding at the door, trying to get in, trying to receive his bride back into himself. Now, our God's restorative. He's a God of restoration, He's a God of union, He's a God of intimacy. But the key is we got to choose to receive it. We got to choose to step into it. We got to, to <laughs> we gotta choose the. We got to choose to, the. To desire Him, To we can walk in. The very next verse says, "Oh goodness!" The, the The very next verse says, and let me, I'll just glean over these. He says, "To him that overcomes, he goes." Will I grant? to sit with me on my throne, even as I have overcame and, and, and am set down with my Father in his throne. I'm telling you, church, if you don't, that is one of the most beautiful verses you'll, you'll ever see. He says, if him who will overcome, he goes, just as the Father has resurrected me up and I'm sitting with my Father in his throne, he goes, I'm going to give you, I'll give you the opportunity to sit with me in my throne, not next to my throne, in my throne. I'm telling you, Jesus has a huge throne. He says, I'll give you the ability to sit with me in my throne. But you're going to have to learn to be an overcomer. See, this, 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 this Greek word for overcoming, it's a, it is a perpetual word. It's not like, I just need you to overcome once. And everything's gonna be grand. See, that's where we get things off as crew. Oh, I said the prayer, everything's fine. Now, now I must live like hell for the rest of my life. No, 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 no. That's not what Jesus is asking you to do. He says, I need you to overcome, and I need you to overcome. I need you to overcome. I need you to overcome. Why? Because there's mixture that's trying to come in your life. There's mixture trying to come into your church, and I need you to be an overcomer. See, this is who he's, he's called us to be overcomers, conquerors, not just I've overcame. No, you are an overcomer. You are a conqueror. That is a noun, not what you're going to be. That's who he's saying you need to be right now in your life. Like Satan's trying to t- steal, kill, and he's trying to take, rob from you the very intimate relationship that you have with him. But you've got to overcome it. He's saying, you, for he that overcomes, what happens if you don't over, under, overcome? You answer that question yourself. Huh? Well, we need to focus on he that overcomes. If you'll be an overcomer, he goes, I got something for you. I permit you to sit with me and my throne as a king. How many of you know, Johan, he already calls you a king, son. He says, you're a king and a priest. You're part of a holy nation. He says, I, I call you Peculiar. Why? Because I possess you. I've owned you. I have purchased you with my blood. He says, and because of that, I've made you a king. You don't have to. You don't have to be a king by kingly standards. No, no, no. Now, kind of like, kind of like Billy Graham said one time. They're like, Hey, would you, would you run for president of the United States of America? He said, Absolutely not. He says, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lower my office of what God has given me to be a president of a nation. I'm a king and I'm a priest of the kingdom of heaven. You know, what what is wrong with us sometimes, church? And what is wrong with us? He says, listen, you got to overcome. If you overcome, whoo. He goes, I'll I'll give you the ability to sit with me on my throne. Just like in natural marriage, Jesus says, listen, I'll share everything with you. Hmm? My promotion is your place of promotion. My authority that's been given unto me by the Father, he goes, is going to be your, is your authority. Amen. My seat is your seat. My seat of authority, it's your seat. Amen. All you got to do is choose to overcome. People say, oh man, that's going to be lovely. I can't wait. I can't wait until heaven comes. When heaven comes, this is going to be amazing. These things are going to take place, right? Man, we're going to get to sit on a throne. We're going to get to be a king. We'll be an overcomer. We'll overcome all things. When just, just, we just going to die and get out of here. Lord, bring the rapture. No. no he's, he's calling you this right now. See, when you, when you catch a hold of this revelation of, 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 of he saying, I will sit you right now with me in heavenly places. Listen, church, you, you'll find that you're a conqueror and overcomer of anything that comes near you. This alone will keep fear away from you. Let, let, me, let, me, let me read this and we'll we'll finish up here. I think is just too important. I, you know, I'm not be, I won't teach on it because I don't believe I, I don't have the time for it, but, but listen to these words here in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter one. This is a this is this is a prayer I pray over my family, our church, and my own life every single day. And he says, listen, I pray to the Lord that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ Lord the Father of glory will, will give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you Let the eyes of our understanding that they'll be enlightened that we might know what is the hope of his calling. What is the riches of the glory of his inheritance, of his inheritance, of his inheritance in the saints. And what is, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? According which is well, and what and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us to believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ what he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and here we go and he set him at the right hand of the Father he set him at the right hand in heavenly places he set him at a throne right there next to his father what does the right hand mean it's the place of authority so he is the one that has the authority of the Father he's at the right hand of the Father far above principalities and powers. Far but principalities and powers in every name that is named, not only in this world, but in the world that is to come. And he says, and he has given, oh, church, and he has put all things underneath his feet. He has given him to be head over all things of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Church, he says, all things, every single thing, every principality, every power, every devil, every sickness, every disease, every heart attack, every spirit of depression, every spirit of COVID, whatever it is that's coming against you. He says, listen, listen, it's all been placed underneath my feet, but it's not just been placed underneath my feet. He says, He's made me the head of the body, the head, which is the body, which is the church. Who is the church? It's you. So if we're the body of Christ and he is the head, he said i'm putting every single thing underneath your feet when not when you get to heaven he says it's already been placed underneath your feet see this is why i hate sickness this is why i hate disease and i hate it when christians yielded these things why because it's underneath your feet it's been destroyed underneath you but we got to come to that place of understanding he's the head we are this body let's step into it Let's say we're not, it's not going to be in the place called heaven. It's right now here on this earth. You don't shut churches down when COVID comes. You don't shut things down in 2024 when who knows what's going to come. You don't shut things down. No, we ought to be the open door that keeps everything open. Why? So what things are placed underneath our feet, we can rip it off of people. Amen. Show them who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is not some doctrine. This is the Bible. This is the gospel. This is the good news. You say, well, how in the world does all that take place? It's right here in chapter 2, verse 6. He says, and he has raised us up together. Everyone say together. Yeah. He has raised us up together and made us sit together. Sit together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Church, you're already seated on the throne. You already sat on the throne. Our bridegroom has already invited us there. But do we trust him enough? Do we trust him enough to actually believe what he has to say? Do we trust him enough to know what he's done for us? Do we trust him enough, Amen, to begin to walk in? Or is it just, oh, that's just that crazy doctrine from that island church or Brother Hagen or what? No, 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 no. Do we trust him? Do we trust him? Hmm. Do you trust him to do what he's spoken in his word that he's actually done? Because see, he finishes off this letter just like he does with every other letter. He says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the churches. See, he didn't just write this church to Laodicea. He wrote this to to Ephesus. He wrote this to to Philadelphia. He wrote this to Pergamos and Smyrna and Sardis. He he wrote this to Thyatira. He wrote it to all. He wrote it to the seven churches, but he didn't just stop there. He wrote this to Island Church. He says, I'm giving you a warning. Don't don't step off on these things. No, you need to grab a hold of these. He goes, I'm writing this to you in the very day and age you're living. He goes, so do you have an ear to hear? That implies not everyone has an ear to hear. Jesus asks us, do you have an ear to hear? Do you have an ear to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church, or do you have selective hearing? My wife likes to say I have selective hearing sometimes. I only hear what I want to hear. Amen, which probably is true, much like George, right? <laughs> it's a reality. But this is what Jesus is saying. Do you have selective hearing? Do you actually have an ear to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is trying to say to you? what he's trying to reveal unto you. Because if you'll choose to hear, you'll find out he is the answer to every single situation you have. Every situation, every crisis, every problem, every blessing, you'll find he's the answer, but we're going to have to hear from him. We're going to have to hear from him. Church, man, we'd be a people that, that have selective hearing, but selective hearing you know, to the things of this world Selective hearing to mixture when it tries to come our way. Selective hearing when distractions and offenses come our way. Selective hearing when strife comes our way. Selective hearing when disease starts knocking on the door. Selective hearing when rebellion starts knocking on the door. Selective hearing on any of those things the world and Satan himself has to offer. But may we have keen, oh church, may we have keen, keen ears to hear. the spirit and the bridegroom is trying to reveal into his churches. Because Jesus is not our problem, church. He's our answer to all things. Amen, we pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. Lord, we glorify you. We magnify your holy name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for, for preparing your churches. Thank you, Lord, for revealing us. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. Lord, you prepared seven letters that we, can, that we can chew on, that we can meditate on, Lord, that we can we cannot step in the same traps that were stepped in in the past. Thank you, Lord, for loving us enough to encourage us, but I thank you even more so, Lord, for loving me enough in my walk with you, Lord, that you rebuked me and you've trained me. I ask you to continue to do it. Continue to train, continue to rebuke, continue to keep us on the line and the direction that we need to go. For church, this city needs it. This island, it needs it. It needs proper Christians full of the Holy Ghost, full of power, full of the word that we just don't speak words, Lord, but that your spirit begins to get excited and move when we begin to speak. Train us up into to be those sons and daughters, those brides, that you're training up. Hmm. May we not be people with vessels half full of oil, but may we be so full of oil that it begins to drip and be poured out on the people that are around us, Lord. We love you, Lord. We adore you. We honor you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this church. As we exit out of this place, Lord, we thank you, Lord. We take hold of Psalms 91. We We trust your word that no evil will befall us, neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling places, Lord. We say sickness, disease, cough, you shall not come against us, colds, you know, uh, allergies, you shall not come against this household. We trust, we trust in the name of the Lord. We trust in what you provided for us. We are seated in the heavenly places right now. We're seated with you, my king, operated in proper authority, that proper authority of Jesus running in us and through us. So we say, we rebuke you, sickness. We rebuke you, disease. You have no habitation in our homes. You may exit. You may leave. And we thank you, Lord, for this church. We thank you, Lord, for the gathering together of this family. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in us. Thank you, Lord, what you're doing through us. Mm. When you walk out of here, Lord? walking in faith and love towards you, loving each and every one that we come in contact with in this house, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the ambassadors of Christ you've called each and every one of us to be. Thank you, Lord, here at Island Church. We are covered by the blood, we are empowered by the word, and we are anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen, 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 hallelujah.